Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church and School right here in the heart of Chicago. I pray that you find hope and peace in the message of Christ and Him crucified for you in your life right now. Thank you for listening. And please, if you'd like to support the mission going on right here, uh, please go to our webpage, stjames-lutheran.org to donate. Thank you. In many and various ways, God spoke to His people of old by the prophets. Sometimes you got to be surprised to learn something, to break through your stubbornness. God has to sneak around you to get to the point. He does that with David. David, uh, I think he does that with us. David, if you didn't catch it from God's accusation of him, Pastor Keeney and I were just talking about it again. I mean, he did something just insanely awful. It began with stealing his best friend's wife um, while he was fighting for David. And then it went to... uh, Uh, she became pregnant, and so that's embarrassing. But not out of shame, but because he didn't want to be embarrassed, he tried to get uh, Uriah and and, uh, Bathsheba to, you know, get together. He brought Uriah home, hoping that they would hang out and uh, all be well, and his little sin would would be covered up, put away. But Uriah was way too loyal (laughs) and would not go and hang out with his wife and have a day off from battle because he felt guilty because all his soldiers were on the the field. So this good, loyal, wonderful friend didn't take a day off and David kept on trying to encourage him, come on, take her out. You deserve a date. Nothing would bend his loyalty to David or his men. Finally, David realizes it's not working, and what's more important to David than his friendship is his face. Don't want to look bad in front of people. Don't want to deal with shame. And so he had to make a choice between a friend and a wrong thing to do and making sure he looks good. And he chooses himself and has Uriah go back to battle and tells the general, or or I think another general, basically, go forward on battle, go forward against whatever it was that they were fighting, but go on in, but then I want everybody else to pull out. Don't tell Uriah, though. So he's basically left by himself or a small company. Because David didn't want to just kill Uriah. Because that would also make David look bad. So if he could just kind of manipulate everything so that he could hide his sin, put it away, and make it look like Uriah is a hero, and David 
gets to be a hero too because sure enough, Uriah died. And David, the benevolent king, took Bathsheba as his wife to take care of her while she mourned. And everyone thought the best of David. Maybe psychopathic? However, you must relate to some degree. And you know how it goes. The worst things in the world, that's why you can't judge people too quickly. Because you kind of fall into these things. You might be that person that, uh, I've met plenty of people and they're like, I never thought that I would have committed adultery. Never would imagine. But one thing led to another, and next thing you know, you end up in this situation. Can you relate to that? And then when you get there, and you're like, how did I get here? You try to cover it up, and you know how that goes. But sin really makes you, it really gives you an illusion for a while. It's a spell that human beings are born with right out of the, right out of the birth canal under a spell. That in fact, maybe they are God, and they can do what they want to do. And they can manipulate things, and they can screw up, but maybe it's not that bad. I mean, this is what sin does. David was absolutely blind to what he had done. He had convinced himself, I think, that, that this is just all, I think, I think if anything, convinced it's a lot less of a thing than what it was. I bet you've done that too. But somehow he's convinced himself that this was, he was moving on his merry way. But let me tell you, that's what sin does. And God could have struck him down. But instead, like a good general, God knew that he, he needed to sneak up on David. He was so stuck in his stubborn, stubborn life and view of things that he had to be tricked <laughs> into seeing reality. And so Nathan comes in with the sermon. And Nathan does the sermon, right? And he basically uses an illustration to the great king to see what the king's opinion would be and tells him about this poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, and that lamb took care of it. It was, like a, it was like one of his kids, right? Nathan's story, really well done illustration about this, this man and his lamb, and that's all he had. And then this rich guy, sounds like a Hollywood movie, by the way. This rich guy comes in, they're all the same, right? Rich guy, bad guy, poor guy, good guy, etc. And this rich guy comes in, and he has visitors, and he doesn't want to kill any of his lambs, so he goes and steals this guy's lamb and eats it. And... David's anger, he freaks out. How awful, he says. As the Lord lives, the man who's done this shall surely die for a lamb. Why does that work for David? Why did that work? Because we really really love seeing, and we're good at seeing, other people's failures. 
What a genius trap of Nathan. Because he knew the tragic, one of the tragic flaws of hum, human beings. They're really good at pointing out everybody else's sins. And Nathan had them. And this is one of the greatest sermon lines, I think, in, in the Bible and the history of all sermons. And I think the goal of every sermon to some degree is to do this. After David says, that guy's guilty, this is what, and every uh, Hebrew, did you learn this in Fort, in Fort Wayne? This was like the phrase, once we learned this in Hebrew, taking Hebrew and learning Hebrew, this became a popular phrase for a little bit among seminarians. Nathan says, you're the man. David is out. You're the man, he says. I gave you everything. I made you king. God says, I did all these things. I gave you everything you possibly want. Does it remind you of the Garden of Eden? Everything you'd want took care of you. And if that had been too little, he says, I would have given you more. It almost sounds like God is disappointed and heartbroken too. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do this evil? You killed Uriah the Hittite. This is what preaching does. You speak it and you say the truth. You don't beat around the bushes. You killed Uriah the Hittite. To, so, so the wife, you killed Uriah so the wife of, your, of uh, Uriah would be your wife. Behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor and it will be done in, out in the open unlike your little secret twists. David says, I've sinned against the Lord. And if you read the rest of 2 Samuel, and if you read the Psalms, Psalm 51, Psalm 22, a lot of the Psalms written by David, you could tell that he never lived this down. And it was there at that moment, they learned and realized he is a ugly sinner. And it's also here they realizes that all he has is the mercy of God. Lucky to have the mercy of God. Nathan tells him. The Lord has put away your sin. You shall not die. Where did the Lord put that sin? David and Bathsheba had a kid. The first one died, but they had another one. And that's son had another kid and that kid another kid until finally it came to Mary and Joseph and Mary had Jesus and Matthew loves to remind everybody because puts Bathsheba's name in the lineage just to annoy all the pure and perfect righteous uh, Pharisees in the lineage of Jesus, there's Bathsheba and there's David and there's sin. But out of that sin comes Jesus. 
And if you got to sneak around people to shock them and surprise them with the law, and you do, you also have to with the gospel. No one's been saved straight on. Every single person has been tricked into being saved in this room. Talk to an infant. Thought they were getting up one day to have some breakfast, and next thing you know, their head's being dunked in the water. That's everybody. And sure enough, this Jesus snuck in, see, in a cradle while the great Caesar is up on Palatine Hill and didn't see him coming to just average parents. No one would have guessed that's going to be the Savior. And the same Jesus snuck around with the lowly and the broken. No one looks at them. Hung around with the unrighteous, the unpopular, and the unfamous. Until finally... He snuck in on the cross, slipped past Barabbas, took his place, and there's God up on the cross between two thieves. Who would have thought it? Dying for David and for you and for me and Bathsheba and all of us, no matter how ridiculous and awful and disgusting your sins are, and they are, and your sins have been put away on Jesus and buried, gone. You're forgiven. And may you live in that hope and that peace. And I hope you're surprised by it every day. Surprised that you are forgiven. It makes you a little kinder, a little more humble. And I hope you're surprised by the law too. Little wake up calls can't hurt. So the other lives, people around you will be a little better off because you're less of a jerk. In Jesus' name, amen.